This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. This is episode 111, our 2022 annual post-draft mock draft show. But first, if you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. We will be off the next few weeks as I'm on vacation, but starting in June, Ethan and I will be doing our summer series again. However, this year we're going to be doing a mock Dynasty startup draft with each episode being a full round or two of that draft. You won't want to miss that one, so make sure you're following the show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and now you can find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. With that, we welcome back a returning guest to the show, the owner of Ed Winners, who just completed his second full season in our league, and who is coming on to the show to tell me all the things he thought I got wrong the last two years, Ed Martinez. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. How are you? Doing great, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to, at some point, talk a little bit about your 2021 draft. I want to leave that one in buried in a very deep grave. That was, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to it at some point. So gentlemen, we are here for our annual post-draft mock draft. Ed, you were with us last year. What value do you get from this process? I mean, I think it, it gives me a good opportunity to see where my, the way I've already kind of start putting my draft order, my draft rankings, and compare it to, to you guys and see how where you kind of um, have prospects on your list. I mean, I usually kind of stick to my instincts for the most part, but sometimes it does make me question and go back and evaluate someone. If like we're totally completely off on a player, um, I'll go back and kind of review it or maybe watch a little bit more film on someone. Um, but that's the way I kind of utilize this and utilize this last year when we did this. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a good self-review. E, seeing as you're not really invested from a personal team perspective this year, <laughs> you don't have any first round picks. What are you eventually looking to accomplish when we have our real league draft later this summer? Honestly, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what picks I have will have. Um, as of right now, I have a second and a third, but I really don't know uh, if I do end up having those picks. It's just finding value. I mean, trying to find somebody that maybe is off some radars because they dropped so far and looking to add value to the future. I mean, next year got a lot of picks. And so I'm hoping this is just like a quick one year rebuild, but still a lot of things left to be decided before our draft in August. You have two second round picks. You have a fourth, two fifths, and one sixth. I don't have two seconds. I only have one second. I have a third. Excuse me. Did I say two seconds? I meant two thirds. Yeah. Also, oh, you I don't even have, have a second. I have one. No, second. he has one second round pick. He has. His I own have round. a second. I have a third. I have a fourth. I have two fifths. A Actually, sixth, he, and a seven. He has your second round pick. That's my bad. No, it's my second round pick. No, but he got no, no, no. You got you have a second round pick, but it's Ed's selection, so you're thirteenth overall. Really? All this time, I thought it was mine, and I thought it was the two no. nine. Oh my god! Did you just add value to some trade conversations here? So wait, what pick is it? That's why you always consult the commissioner. What pick is it? It's number thirteen. Oh my! Really? Yes. Your second-round pick is actually owned by Let's Go Brandon. What what a freaking time. (laughs) Well, thank you, Ed. Um, This is quite the on. (laughs) Wow. Here it comes back and pays off for me a little bit. Um, I don't actually know now. Now I have an earlier pick. (laughs) It may... 
determine a little bit. Now I'm actually going to have to pay attention to this, <laughs> to this draft class, because as of right now, I, I have been slacking as what I normally do, but mm. now I just have more trade bait. I think, I don't think I'll have that pick. Let's, uh, yeah, let, let's talk. Let's talk. How I can get this uh, draft pick back. So <laughs> Dude, I am my, you have seen all off season. Everyone on my squad is available. Cause I would love to get back in the second round. You see, that is what I've been hearing. I know this is going off topic, but I think this is what people want to hear. What is there? Like, I don't, I know you don't want to like spill your whole strategy and everything like that. Folks, you are but hearing like, live. You seem to trade like, bait. No, no. You seem to like this draft class. Oh, I think a lot more than I do. What do you like about it so much? I, or, I mean, or, I think do, I, or is it just where you think your team is right now? It's it's where my team is right now, and it's based on where my team is positional value. That are like I really like. I think the receiver class and this this particular class is deep. And when I look at my team, that's the area I would like to improve. I think that's my weakness right now. So I want to get back in the second round because there are some people based on where I have my wide receiver rankings that I think I have some prospects in there that I really like that might be at the top of the second. Hence, yeah. And I feel like they're, once you get into the third round, I'm not going to have a lot of options there. So I'm really trying to get up to the second. So Ethan, let me know what we can do. Right now, my, we we'll leave that a, conversation there, yeah. folks. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we don't want to give away too many industry secrets. <laughs> so we chose the order we should go before the show, and I just want to remind everyone that you aren't picking for specific teams like in our league with fits or needs, but rather just who you think is the next player worth taking. So are we ready? So yeah, let's go. All right. So number one. Ethan, you have the first overall pick, then it's Ed, then it's me, and we're just going to continue round robin all the way through. I, I think uh, this is pretty easy, probably the easiest pick in this draft, and he should be everyone's consensus number one pick, and that's Brees Hall. For what he offers in that offense from day one, he's going to be the focal point. Um, his availability in the passing game as well. And I think, I don't know, I, I think Zach Wilson takes a step forward. And if your quarterback can take a step forward, then that just ups your value even more. So this is the obvious answer at number one with Brees Hall. See, you and I agree, and I've seen this on a lot of mocks, that he goes number one overall to a lot of teams because usually number one, they're running back needy. But I've also seen a case made for – Drake London that I don't necessarily have a problem with. It's not my opinion. I I personally agree with you and anybody that's listened to the show for the last, I don't know, month or so knows how I feel about Brees Hall. I wish Brees Hall knew how I felt about Brees Hall, but (laughs) my infatuation is deep, but uh, I think you could make a case in a dynasty setting as we have before that taking a wide receiver is a better long-term project because of the longevity they have. And to me, Drake London is probably the number one wide receiver by a good margin, just based on opportunity and his ability right now. So Ed, that puts you at number two, who is your first pick? See, this is why, this is the reason I like doing these um, mock drafts with you guys, because right off the gate, what you said, Tom, I'm like, rankings are way off from what I have with Drake London. Um, well, Brees Hall went number one. If I had the number one pick, and I'm going to take him here at two, I actually think Kenneth Walker is a way better prospect than Brees Hall. So I would take Kenneth Walker. I think he's an injury away from dominating that Seattle backfield. I'm looking at his tape. I mean, I think it's kind of like, you know, people say, oh, you know, he wasn't used as much in the passing game. But that was the same thing with A.J. Dillon coming out of college where he didn't have a lot of, you know, pass catching film. And then he came into the league and, hey, he can catch the ball. He's a multi-purpose back. Kenneth Walker, I think, is more explosive than Brees Hall. Um, so I would be ecstatic to take Kenneth Walker at the two because uh, I would take him actually number one. So. 
I don't think Kenneth Walker has much pass value added. But then again, you look at Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, neither of them has a lot of pass value added. So you are correct in that if, let's say, for example, Chris Carson doesn't come back from this neck injury, which I really don't know what's going to happen with that, then you're one Rashad Penny injury away. And he's had, obviously, his struggles with injuries over the years. Away from probably 20 to 25 carries a game, even for a bad offense, we saw what Penny could do down the stretch last year with that team when they were still kind of hamstrung. So I've come a little bit around. I don't necessarily like Walker as a prospect, but his opportunity might be there enough to take him that early. I'm just not necessarily in agreement. All right. At number three, go ahead. I mean, personally, I don't, I'm not far off. And I think I said this before in um, the draft reaction show on Kenneth Walker. I knew I was a lot higher than on him than you were, Tom. But I think especially the opportunity that he has in Seattle, he's going to be starting by, who knows, week six or seven. Like, I'd put money on that because we know those two are not going to stay healthy. His My only knock on him is he does have a less of a receiving role not less of a receiving role. I think just his ability as a pass catcher is less than Brees Hall, but I don't think it's non-existent like some people think, just kind of like they thought with Jonathan Taylor as well, and we saw he does just fine in the passing game when need be. So I'm not far off on Kenneth Walker. I just like Brees Hall as a prospect better. That's really it. All right. So that puts me up at number three, and given what I already mentioned, opportunity cost, longevity, and the rest of it, plus the hit rate at top 10 drafted wide receivers. I think going back 20 years, no wide receiver selected in the top 10 outside of, I think, Tavon Austin has finished outside of the top 30 spots at wide receiver the following season. So the hit rate is high. I will take Drake London. Yeah, the reason I kind of mentioned that about Drake London is I think, one, Atlanta has – and this favors him and doesn't favor him. But, yeah, Atlanta has no receivers right now. <clears throat> so I think he's going to get matched up frequently with their number one quarterback. And you have Marcus Mariota throwing the ball, which that doesn't excite me a lot because I think that also takes – I mean, I'm taking a hit there with Kyle Pitts because I think Kyle Pitts I'm worried a little bit about what's going to happen there with the quarterback situation and flux. And so that, that was kind of some of the reasoning that I was just like – I wasn't – as big on taking Drake London this high, or I would take him this high. I can't disagree with any of that, but I'll just state that I think comparatively to any other wide receiver right now, I think he's head and shoulders as far as opportunity and what he can bring to this offense. Even if they, he doesn't have a great first year because the quarterback stinks, you've got to imagine that Atlanta is going to draft high again in another big quarterback draft next year. And so the possibility of him getting paired with another young quarterback that can really make his ascendancy, I think is, is very possible there. All right, Ethan, you're on the clock again. Whew. Tough spot. The yeah, obvious choices this, are this probably is tough. Gone. This is a tough spot at, at four. Um, I guess because it's dynasty, I I'm going to take a run and take Jamison Williams. I think he's a very, very great prospect. I think at this spot in the in the draft and where you probably are as a team, you're more so looking for something down the road because you're not quite there yet. The Lions are probably going to get a nice, shiny quarterback next year, and there are a couple of good ones, so who knows where they end up. Um, I just like his career trajectory when he does get one of those quarterbacks, so I'm going to go with, uh, with Williams. All right. No argument here. I think he's the most explosive wide receiver available. It's just a matter of how he comes back from the injury if he's lost any of that explosiveness that he had. I don't think he probably will because of where we're at just medically with ACL repairs. But the Lions opportunity, I just I don't know. But I would say past the Drake London immediate impact, I would say he's probably a given number two. So, Ed, you are up. Wait, before we go to Ed, let's go to Ed. He is a St. Brown owner. How do you feel about this 
pick that the Lions took. Are you worried at all? Are you actually happy? Because sometimes having another guy opens some stuff up a little bit. Right. I mean, I also have DJ Chark. Oh, geez. You got a lot of Chark is on the line, too. (laughs) So, I mean, the way I view it, I think I'm huge on Jamison Williams as well. I agree with everything you said. I think he's the most explosive receiver. I think he's the most talented receiver in this draft. I'm not worried about that injury bug, but I don't know. If right now, I think I'm excited about it because I think it will open it up for Jameson Williams to open up kind of the middle of the field for Amon Ross St. Brown. So who knows? I could take Jameson Williams and just dominate all the lines. <laughs> just take them all. Have every single Lions receiver. <laughs> I honestly think that TJ Hawkinson being healthy has more of an impact on Amon Ross St. Brown's targets than Jameson Williams being healthy. I mean, I he made his that. big run after Hawkinson left for the season I mean, last year. You take a look at that Lions offense, like, besides Jared Goff, that's a big problem, right? But the whole Lions offense, it's you look, the running back, the receivers, the tight end, they're building that old line. Man, you get a good quarterback in Detroit, look out. Or somebody that can actually call a decent game. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All All right. Right. Who's your offensive coordinator, right? I don't even know right now. <laughs> I know that they fired their guy halfway through last season, and I don't remember if the replacement got the full-time job or not, but yeah. Okay. My turn? Yes, sir. All right. So this pick right here is actually not – it's not a homer pick. Because before <laughs> he got picked, before he got picked by the Packers, I had Christian Watson ranked up here. I'm taking Christian Watson. I think he is also an extremely explosive athlete right behind Jameson Williams, I would have to say. And, I mean, the opportunity sharing Green Bay, like it's – who's there right now, right? It's Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Randall Randall Cobb. Come on. I mean, Christian Watson, it makes sense. I think he's got all the tools to be a big-time receiver. Um, so, I mean, when the Packers took him in the top of the second, yes, we gave up to gave up a lot to get up there to get him, but that was pumped. I'm super pumped about this pick. So I would take Christian Watson here. I think he, if this guy played for Alabama, he would be the top receiver in this draft. And that's exactly kind of where my issue is a little bit with him. I don't know if it's a quarterback thing out of North Dakota, you know, with Trey Lance, you you would think by now that Trey Lance would have been named the guy and everything. And all you're hearing out of there is they don't know if they really trust him. You had Carson Wentz as well. It's just the competition that they play. Now he is a special specimen at six, four can run like crazy. My other issue is this is all fantasy wise. Like as a green Bay Packer, I love it. Like, I think he's going to be a great pick. Um, but as like a fantasy wise too, you only got a couple of years of Aaron Rodgers, and we kind of don't know what's next. So looking down the road, I mean, you're drafting in this spot anyway, so you're probably in more of a win now mode anyway. So maybe it is a good pick at that spot. Probably a little earlier than I would have had him, but I don't mind the reach if that's a guy that you're really in love with, as you can probably tell from anybody who's listened over the last month, I'm really high on him before the draft. I'm really glad the Packers got him. So I can't argue too much with him going in this spot, but to me now it comes back around to number six at me. Uh, I'm going to take Traylon Burks. I think he is the next best receiver on the board, just from an opportunity standpoint. I think a lot of people compared him coming into the draft to AJ Brown, who they just traded basically to get Traylon Burks. And I think from an opportunity standpoint, he's going to have a lot of the same opportunities. I also think that if he can stay healthy, which it seems he can, I don't think he had any major issues in college. He'll be able to at least hit the ground a lot or running a lot better than AJ Brown did, who was constantly dealing with nagging injuries. He's also going to be open if Derrick Henry's staying healthy and guys are committing eight, nine guys to the box to stop him every single play. So he's going to get a lot more one-on-one coverage. I do think that the Titans are going to be creative in how they get him the ball because he is very good in space, even if he doesn't have elite peak speed. 
but he's going to be a guy I think that could very well contribute early on in year one and grow into a fairly substantial role with the Titans. So I'll take Traylon Burks there. Yeah, I can't argue anything really. My only argument would be the Tennessee Titan offense, how it's run first, but we saw how AJ Brown flourished in that offense just fine. So I I like that pick. All right, Ethan is back to you. Man, you know, I'm kind of debating going back to running back or doing another wide receiver here because there's just so many wide receivers. But I guess I'm going to, yeah, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Chris Olave uh, for the Saints. Jameis Winston is not that bad of a quarterback. And I think that he can get pretty good value out of him. Only issue is there's so there's getting to be a lot of mouths to feed in New Orleans on that um, in that wide receiver room. But I like everything he does. I like the offense that he played in in Ohio State. I think he'll find the off or the end zone a decent amount. I think they'll use him in pretty interesting ways too. But so I'm going to take Olave. I think he reminds me a lot of Michael Thomas coming out as far as a comp. And he's a very crisp route runner. He doesn't have great elite speed. He's not great after the catch. So he ran like a four three at the combine. Yeah. Okay, maybe I, I got that wrong, but now his game his game speed does doesn't seem like he's like that fast, but you know, his I mean the forty he did run a four three something. And I agree with that you that uh, Jameis is not a bad quarterback. In fact, I actually thought he was an above average quarterback last year before he got hurt with the saints. It'll be curious to me how the offense adjusts without Sean Payton doing the primary play calling. And also if they have to move away from Alvin Kamara being the focus of this offense, given all of his legal troubles that are going to be going on. Does that mean that Olave has an outsized importance to this offense especially if Michael Thomas doesn't come back because we haven't seen him in almost two seasons I don't know and that would be my concern here with drafting him but as far as a prospect and an opportunity you gotta at least like the pick where we are in the draft right now at number seven Ed number eight I have a feeling I know where you're gonna go but I'll let you make the pick um so I'll be with with eighth pick, I think I'm getting really good value here by taking Zach Wilson's brother, Garrett Wilson. <laughs> I mean, I think it pairs up. I mean, I think it's a good – It's he was a top receiver drafted, right? No, he was, he was number 10. Uh, London was number one at uh, number eight. Oh, yeah. So he was second. Second receiver drafted. So to take the second receiver drafted here at the eighth spot, I think that's great value. I mean, great route runner. Um, at Ohio State, nothing really excites me about too much about this game. I know you compared Chris Olave, Ethan, to um, Michael Thomas, but actually, I had a comparison of Garrett Wilson more com- compared more to a Michael Michael Thomas like receiver. Um, but yeah, with Zach Wilson's, I think ascending into year two, I think he's um, they're surrounding him with a lot of good talent, building the offensive line. The running game is going to be solid now. Um, I think it puts him in a good good spot there with. Zach Wilson, and I'll take him here at number eight. My only concern would be the amount of different pass catchers in that offense right now, especially with Brees Hall and Michael Carter also getting roles and the fact that they're going to be a run-first offense if they're really truly going with the LeFleur-Shanahan tree and that zone-running scheme. You think about the fact, though, that they have Braxton Berrios. They still have um, Elijah Moore. They still have Corey Davis under contract. And then they throw in the three tight ends that they got either through the draft or uh, the two that they signed in free agency. There are just a lot of guys that have had fantasy relevance on that team or project to have fantasy relevance. And I just don't know where he fits in yet, but I agree with you. The value for a guy who went in the top 10 to be drafted at number eight in the first round is high. So I can't fault the selection. Wait, is it, what did you think I was going to take? Gary Wilson. Wilson. He was the obvious pick left on the board. Yeah. And realistically, at at my pick, there is one wide receiver left in the first round that hasn't gone. But given who his quarterback is, the organization he's with, 
I'm just staying as far away from that one right now as I can. I think he slips easily into the second round of most dynasty drafts. So I'm actually going to go into the second round with a guy who, if he falls to me at the first pick in the second round, I'm going to be skipping around for joy. And that's going to be Sky Moore because I want to pair him with my Mahomes quarterback and think that they're going to grow together over time. I think he's got really good after the catchability. I don't know what his speed level is just offhand, but I think he's a guy that is a very good satellite player for an Andy Reid offense, and they love to get guys out in space. So I think he's going to be at some point in the next two to three years, a focal point of this offense that they create a lot of plays to get him open and into space. And that's going to end up being Buku value as far as fantasy goes. It was a four, four, one, 40 yard. Four, one would be ridiculous. Four, four, one. Yeah. Oh, four, four, one. Okay. Four, four, one. Not um, bad speed, but not great. Speed. Worries me about this. I actually was curious. This is actually before I joined dynasty, but when McCole Hardman came out in dynasty drafts, he was drafted like in the top five. Very often. I looked at kind of looked at the site that had just all these mocks of dynasty drafts and where players fell in that year. Nicole Hartman was pretty high because he was going into that offense. Scares me a little bit with Sky Moore being kind of the same situation. Oh, he's going to the Chiefs offense. He's just going to, you know, light it up with Patrick Mahomes right away. I don't know. He's also coming from a smaller school. You got MBS there, right? You have Juju Smith. Nicole Hartman is developing finally. Travis Kelsey. But, I mean, here at nine – Good value. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, I, I can't kinda... fault you on any of the those points other than Tyreek Hill. I don't think there's one direct replacement. So you're going to have fractions dividing up his overall target share. And I also don't think that Travis Kelsey is going to get 120 targets this year either. I think at some point his value does decline and his direct replacement seems to more or less be Juju Smith Schuster. So realistically to me, Sky Moore's going to end up competing with Juju and MVS more than he's going to end up competing with Travis Kelsey. And I think there are a lot of targets to go around in that offense because you can already see they can't run the football. Were you were you going to say something, Ethan, about that? I mean, I'm kind of with you, Ed, but you know, I can see where Tom, where you're coming from as well. But I, for me, it's just the Kansas City Chiefs, like somebody automatically falling into that offense that isn't a oh my gosh, this guy is going to go off sentence anymore. Like we saw this year that the Chiefs offense isn't kind of what it used to be. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is getting older, but I think for them, they're kind of more of those spread it around type of offenses, especially like you said, Tyreek isn't there and it's exactly what the Packers are going to need to do too. It's going to need to be, we're going to have to get chunks from lots of people. But where you're getting him here at the end of the first round for somebody that you know, could be the number one receiver in that offense in a couple of years or could be playing as a wide receiver one. You know, it's a risk that you're willing to take. All right. So, Ethan, it is your pick at number 10, the last selection in the first round of an average 10-team draft. You know, adding on to as a risk that you're willing to take is going to be my pick here at number 10. I said it a couple times in the group chat. This is who I wanted the Packers to take. I honestly think from a talent standpoint, he is the best wide receiver in this class. You just don't know what you're going to get out of him from a behavioral standpoint. So um, with that being said, I think George Pickens, I think he's just an incredible talent from pure talent to physicalness to just the tools that he brings as a wide receiver. The injury doesn't scare me all that much, you know, um, it's kind of a more common injury than it used to be, but they don't really have a quarterback right now, you know, cause Kenny Pickett, he's young. So we're still a lot to see. And I'm not huge on Kenny Pickett either, but we'll see. Um, but I think George Pickens has the potential to be, you know, in a couple of years, we're looking at this draft as he should be one of the guys that could have been, should have been taken in the top three. There are certain teams when they select they select a certain position group. You seem to think that they always hit it. And the Steelers happen to be one of those teams on wide receivers. So maybe he does forego all of the concerns about his potential character issues 
and becomes this standout wide receiver for them. I don't know. I, I really, I would guess that it's more likely than not given the organization he's going to, but it just remains to be seen. But at the end of the first round, not a bad value pick. I do got to ask you guys, where would, how far would you have let him fall? Personally, I had George Pickens as my, on my board as the top, as the 14th best prospect. So I'd say okay. go in the top 15 for sure. I don't think he would fall below 12 for me. Okay. I have two other receivers and a running back that I'm higher on. Okay. I have one other wide receiver that would be in the mix, but I think from a talent standpoint, opportunity, and organization, I would probably take this guy over the other wide receiver that's on my list. Actually, the other two wide receivers that are I, might be in the conversation. And the one running back, I, the one running back to me might break down a little bit sooner than other guys just due to his size and usage. And so I would probably guess that 10 is about right. I can't really fault you with the pick at all. I, I probably would have gone him in this range thinking about it. Okay. So Ed, you are on the clock. Yeah. I mean, I think this is where the draft gets really tough. I mean, like I, I would honestly have to say with these top 10 or any 10 picks that are going to go in this, every anyone's dynasty draft this year, I would not really argue anything. Like anybody could take anyone anywhere and I'd be okay. That works. You know, it's just that kind of draft this year. So now saying that going into the 11th pick, I'm going to still stick. We have one first round wide receiver still on the board, one second round running back and one second round wide receiver that I would say are probably ranked highly on my list. Yeah, but same, but I think it's time to get back to the running backs and with a lot, take Damian Pierce. There we go. I like that. Not the one I thought would necessarily go this early. Okay. No, Damian, I like that. Damian Pierce, I mean, what do you got? Marlon Mack ahead of you? Yeah. Uh, oh, I just got the notification. Tariq Cohen torn Achilles today. Bummer. And uh, that guy cannot stay healthy. Bummer for him. Dude. Yeah. Did you see that? I actually watched that. It was it was like he was no. trying as a kid just popped. Oof. Anyway, that's right. Um, so Damian, Damian Pierce, I mean, I like his game coming out of Florida. I think he lands in a great situation in Houston. Like I said, I think the depth chart in Houston is Marlon Mack. And I mean, it could, I think it's his backfield almost from the get go. I like his talent. I like his running style. I would be ecstatic to take him here at the top of the second. All right. That makes it kind of an easier pick for me because you didn't go with one of the three players that I had designated for this space. So I'm going to take the running back as well. And maybe this is a little bit of a running back run here at the beginning of the second, but I'll go with the James Cook pick. It's obvious to me with where Buffalo was trying to sign McKissick in the off season here and got him for about 13 hours that they clearly wanted a pass catching back. And they went into the draft knowing they wanted to have that. They picked the guy that was the most likely pass catching back out of this. I am concerned about his longevity and how many carries and total touches he can have, but he is a guy that I think, even if he gets seven targets and four catches a game, can still be valuable to this Buffalo offense. And so I will take James Cook at this spot. That's me then, huh? Correct. Um, I am going to take uh, David Bell from the Cleveland Browns with the departure of Jarvis Landry. I think it opens up a lot of work for him. He's not somebody that's going to be a burner and run a bunch of nine routes. Um, But I do think that underneath, especially with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, I think that he could have a real nice PPR type of career. Somebody that you can always kind of depend on that he's going to get you 10 to 15 points each and every week. You know, I had, I had three other receivers rated higher than him at this point, but can't argue with Ethan Spicker because I think David Bell is lining up to have to be this year's Amon Ross and Brown. I think that's exactly the player he could be. Okay. This Again, it's all upside at this point in the draft. So, all right. 
So let's see here. That would have been actually the spot you would have selected in the regular draft, Ethan. Oh, hey. (laughs) So, Ed, uh, I think you are on the clock. This is number 14. Jordy Nelson 2.0. Alec Pierce. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised Tom let him fall this far. I thought he was going to take him um, with that cook pick. Well, I almost did. He was the next best guy on my list, but yeah, okay. Yeah, Alan Pierce. Um, I think he. I mean, he is again. I compare his game. I think his game does compare uh, very similarly to Jordy Nelson. He's big, fast, goes into a pretty good situation. I'd say there with Indianapolis. With you know, hopefully they open up the passing game a little bit more with uh, Matt Ryan. Um, I think the receivers there are Indiana and it's um, who do you have Tom on your team? Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman, and then I honestly I don't know who's behind Michael Pittman. Maybe Alec Pierce already as a second receiver. Probably at this point because I think Zach Pascal left. T.Y. Hilton's a free agent, and uh, I think oh I'm trying to remember some of their other wide receivers, but. Uh, Paris Campbell's still coming off of all those injuries. So I don't know if he's going to even stay healthy long enough to be the number two. And I can't even remember who number 80 was on their team that I can remember. Was it Rogers, like Chester Rogers or something that uh, may not be there anymore. So I would say that he's capably already probably the number two, especially with Jack Doyle retiring. And you don't know what you're going to get out of Mo Alley Cox or Jelani Woods yet. That to me says he's probably going to be the most or second most targeted receiver on that team, but it could be a situation where Michael Pittman is the number one target like Devonte Adams last year. And then the number two is the running back, Jonathan Taylor. I could very easily see that being the situation in Indianapolis next year, but certainly don't fold it. And really only the fact that I think Indianapolis is a run first offense that has a potentially dominant number one is the reason that he slipped a couple of spots behind some other guys, but I really love the range that he went here. In fact, I would have made that selection had it gotten to me. So right about the range that I think Alec Pierce should go with that, then it is down to me. There's what do you guys think? Should I do the value pick at this point and just get him off the board so we can stop talking about it? Or should I probably go with my heart a little bit? Listen to your heart. Always listen to your heart, Tom. <laughs> when it's calling for okay. you. Okay. Okay. Anyway, fine. If I'm going to go with my heart, I'm going to go Tyler Allgaier here, the running back for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I heard you talk to him the other day on the, on the other episode you guys did. I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I look him up. I was like, I never heard of him until you brought him up. And what do you think? I mean, once I started doing my research on him, I think Tom's on to something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think also the Atlanta Falcons backfield. I mean, who's there? Mm-hmm. Well, right now you've still got Mike Davis and you've got Cordero Patterson, but that's really all you got. And I think this is a guy that given enough opportunity could easily cement himself past those two, or at least get into a situational role where he's getting somewhere between 10 to 12 carries a game and five targets. Don't say yet who you would have gone for your value. Cause I want to see if Ethan goes there. Okay. And if not, let's see if I get it. All right. <laughs> it comes to me. I know it's not going to be me um, because this is another shot in the dark for me, but I'm going to take (laughs) Jalen Tolbert uh, for the Cowboys with uh, CeeDee Lamb being the number one, Amari Cooper leaving, Cedric Wilson leaving, Michael Gallup with a broken knee with a torn ACL. I think the sky is kind of the limit uh, with him for at least a little bit. He'll have a jump start as well. And Michael Gallup isn't going to be a hundred percent this year anyway. So you're going to see him on the field a lot. We know the Cowboys like to pass the ball. So I'm going to take Jalen Tolbert. I don't think we can argue with anybody's picks at this point. Honestly, you made enough good points that I could see him going in this range. I just have a couple of other guys higher and no, that was not my value pick. (laughs) So at 16, is this? I think this is the guy. Jahan Dotson? Yeah, it's the first rounder that's left. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that he drops this far. I mean, I'm not huge on Jahan Dotson. He also, the situation with the commanders, I mean, Terry McLaurin, you have Curtis Samuels, you have Deami Brown from last year. The quarterback situation. But, I mean, taken here at the 16th pick, like a first-round receiver, great value. Exactly, and I think it's the obvious value pick that it's a first-round wide receiver who will probably be the number two in this offense before it's all said and done. And I don't know. I don't like Carson Wentz or the Commanders or that offense right now, but you know they could very easily have new ownership by this time next year and a potentially new quarterback. And so that might do something else. The expectation for me is going to be that McLaurin's going to end up getting a large extension before the season sometime. But even he, I think, is on the last year of his rookie deal. So there's a lot of upside potential there. But I just, there are a lot of second round wide receivers that I thought were better than he was. And I didn't have a first round grade on. And then he ends up in this spot. It's not shocking to me that he slipped this far, but given that he is a first-round wide receiver, I agree. Value pick. Or Terry McLaurin gets gets traded to the Packers in a couple weeks. I find that very hard to believe, but Mm. we'll see. All right, so it would be the 18th pick back to me. This is where it's going to get interesting. Because now it's it's the guys that slip down a little bit farther, and I don't like as much. So you're starting to get into that tight end quarterback range. But I'm going to go with a guy that I said something about last week in our draft reaction pod that I think is not very far away from being the primary ball carrier in what most people think is going to be a very good offense and a very young offense for the most part. So I'm going to go Isaiah Spiller for the Chargers. I kind of had a feeling that the Chargers were going running back in this draft. They've kind of been looking for somebody to help Austin Eckler for a couple of years, you know, ever since Mar- uh, Melvin Ingram, Melvin Ingram, Melvin Gordon left. <laughs> I think this is, um, this is a great pick for them and for, fantasy purposes as well i think he kind of brings a lot to the table and they're going to kind of be a little thunder and lightning type of a thing i think it's good value for where you got him here in the draft all right so ethan that puts you back on the clock with number 19 is that 18 or now here i was 18 man i um i'm gonna break the mold here i am going to go quarterback I think this is wow. We're gonna go quarterback. I'm gonna take Malik Willis. At okay. this point, you're kind of looking for somebody that is kind of gonna turn into something. You know, he's not gonna be anything next year, and you're hoping the year off too, he can learn something. Unlike Kenny Pickett getting his head taken off every other play next year, so hopefully he can learn something from this year um, on a team with very good leadership. So I'm gonna take Malik Willis. So I have a couple of points to make on that. But first, is somebody wielding a lightsaber? I keep hearing this, like, buzzing in the background. No. But if someone does, like, give me the hookup. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty awesome. I did see somebody (laughs) actually made a plasma lightsaber that cut through some shit. (laughs) It was really awesome. But anyway. That's nuts. Yeah, it was something on TikTok. No, my points on where you went... To me, this is a project quarterback who's not going to start for probably two years. I like the athletic ability and that he could eventually be the starter for the Titans. But think about how many roster spots you have in your dynasty from year to year. If you're a league that has 30 spots on your overall roster and you keep 23, this is a guy you could probably stash deep on your roster and just hold on to him for a few years. It's not one in our league where you only hold on to 15 guys per year that I think unless you're a team that's just completely rebuilding that you can take a chance on just because of how many roster spots you got to keep open for other guys that are going to be of more utility while he sits and waits for his opportunity. Yeah, but sometimes uh, being patient pays off. I think we can all think of horrible 
release stories. Yes. Do you want to share your Devontae Adams story? Oh, again? <laughs> or my Odell Beckham Jr. story? Or my Amon Ra St. Brown story? Or, yeah, I have plenty of these. You play long enough, you make enough roster moves, eventually you get burned. <laughs> I own my mistakes. All right, Ed, that puts you back on the clock with pick number uh, 20. Um, I'm going to take one of my favorite running backs in this draft, um, Tyron Davis Price, LSU going to the 49ers. Um, to my detriment, I, I, I get a feeling that there is more injury concern to Elijah Mitchell, um, which is why they took this guy high up. As high as they did, I think he was in the third round. Correct. I also okay. should make the correction that it's Tyrion, like Tyrion, Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Davis Price. Um, and you know how, you know, Kyle Shanahan, that running offense goes. So, I mean, I think it goes into a good good spot. It is hard, Tom, like you well know, who the hell is going to get the carries in that kind of offense or from week to week sometimes. But I would take the flyer on him at this point in the draft. Certainly can't fault you there. It's a guy I, I mentioned in last week's uh, reaction show that I had my eye on for the exact points you mentioned. All right. So that puts me into the third round with the first overall pick. So 21 overall. Head or heart, guys? Head or heart? Listen to your heart. Bro. Last time, so let's go ahead. <laughs> oh, Fine, do that. I got a split here. Just that means you have to decide. Ooh. I'm going to go heart. I'm going to go Romeo Dobbs. Wow. Wow. I mean, not a bad pick here. I mean, but you just said about holding on to somebody that might not be anything for a couple of years, and then you then you pick, take him. Again, I think it's dependent on where your roster is and what league you're playing in and what your team makeup is. That's my overall point. I'm not saying Malik Willis was a bad pick at your selection. I certainly can't argue with it because I think he's the most talented quarterback in this draft. It's a matter of if you're keeping 15 roster spots from year to year and you're a team that's competing, is that some type of chance you want to consider at that point? And honestly, with Romeo Dobbs, I think he's actually, he might have more of an impact in year one than Christian Watson because I think he's more a better developed receiver right now at this point in their careers than Christian Watson. Christian Watson obviously has hell of a like more higher upside than Romeo Dobbs, but maybe the maybe year one Aaron Rodgers trusts Romeo a little bit more than Christian. I think is your hot for is that your hot take of the night? My hot take of the night. Put it down, Tom. All right. <laughs> I think that a lot of people compared Christian Watson to MVS coming out of the draft. And to me, that's an inaccurate description of what their job roles are going to end up being. I think Christian Watson has the ability to be MVS, but I think he can be utilized in a lot more ways. MVS has a lot of straight line speed. And to me, Dobbs is going to be the deep threat replacing MVS more than Watson's going to be, where they're going to try and treat a lot of the ways that they used to treat Randall Cobb and that they might do with Amari Rogers this year, getting him out in space, getting some intermediate routes, getting him out of the slot, trying to get the ball in his hands and allow him to create after the catch, which is where he's particularly special. So I think Dobbs has the ability to be actually a fairly decent best ball wide receiver this year because all he needs is one over-the-top touchdown. And we know Aaron Rodgers is probably the best deep ball thrower of them all in order to make your week on a best ball type of team. So this could be a guy who sneaks up on a few people in a, in a best ball situation. He's like our new James Jones. Boom, another hot take. I'm out. <laughs> Put it down, Tom. <laughs> Give Ed his own show. <laughs> Ed football hot takes. Anyway. I up is me. Yes, you are number um, uh, twenty-two here. I'm going to go with somebody that I'm very surprised fell this far. Surprised and not surprised all at the same time, and that's uh, John Mechie the third for the Houston Texans. 
Um, we know he's still recovering from the torn ACL. We know he plays for the Texans, but who else is kind of there? You know, there's Brandon Cooks, obviously, but as somebody that is going to probably be the future of that team, uh, I would, I, I think he's worth the, the stash as see what he can develop into in the next couple of years. Ed, it is back to you. Um, we're going to stick with running backs. Last pick was uh, Tyrion Davis-Price. I'm going to go with Pierre Strong Jr., New England. Um, I think he went pretty, pretty high up in the draft from a draft value standpoint. And as much as I dislike the fact that I, I don't think that the Patriots are as big under Mondi Stevenson as I am, unfortunately, um, I think Pierre Strong Jr. is an explosive running back. I mean, I had him. I have a ranking for top my top five running backs, and I had him just out of my top five. It's always hard. I know you guys have mentioned this a lot. We all know New England backfield is just as hard to evaluate as the Niners backfield. But I'm t- I'm going. I guess I'm going hard on this one. Here's strong. I liked him too coming out. But I agree with you, the fit isn't great. And Bill Belichick is inconsistent on running backs, even hot-handed running backs. There just doesn't seem to be a guy that he sticks with long-term as being his answer. So I just don't know how that situation is going to work itself out. They're definitely not a bell cow running back team. And I think more than anything, he's probably drafted to be the James White replacement right now, or at least right off the bat. So he could see some passing game value, but what is exactly his role? I think to me, that's where I I have a few hangups and why I draft a couple of other running backs a little bit ahead of him, including the one I'm going to take here. I'm going to actually go with Zamir White with Las Vegas, just simply on the fact that Josh Jacobs does not stay healthy often. Kenyon Drake is coming off of his own injury situation and may not be healthy. And this could end up being the guy by year two who ends up being the last guy standing in a very productive offense. And so I think from an opportunity standpoint in the third round, this is a guy I'm drafting for future value, not necessarily right away. I'll take Zamir White here. Oof, man. Yes, Ethan, you're back on the board. It's just... Kind of just getting to slim pickings at this point. Um, I'm going to go with Rondale Robinson uh, for the New York Giants. I don't really, you know, him as a route runner, he's pretty decent. I think he's kind of an underrated threat. But, I, I mean, I don't love the pick. He was either go this or start to get into some of the tight ends, and I don't really love any of them either. I heard the lightsaber. Oh, Okay. It's not just me. I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, I heard the lightsaber. All right. Ed, you are up. Um, I'm going to go with Brian Robinson Jr. See, I, I think this guy, the Washington backfield, I'm not sold on, um, what's his name? That's how much I'm not sold on. Well, who's Antonio the, Gibson? Antonio Gibson. Brian Robinson Jr.'s game, you know, I don't know how why he's actually down this far because I compare it to Najee Harris. His running style is very similar to Najee's. Where they're more through strength as a runner, it's kind of like vision at the line of scrimmage. Not really going to break away too many like breakaway runs um, with their speed. I, I love Brian Robinson. I think he compares to Najee Harris, so I'm excited to take him here. Why he ranks this low on the list is because he only got his opportunity in his fifth year as a starter. So he's going to be a little bit older and breakout is a big thing for dynasty. I don't necessarily fault you with the pick for opportunity. Cause I agree that apparently there are some big warning signs coming out of Washington about Antonio Gibson and his long-term health. I guess the issue might be that, between not only starting not till his fifth year and not getting opportunities, although you could say that he was behind Najee Harris, is that the Alabama running backs outside of one year of Najee Harris, and we haven't seen past one year, 
and Derrick Henry, who ended up breaking out late. The Alabama running backs have not necessarily fared well as far as promise in the NFL once they get there. So it remains to be seen. Yeah, but Mark Ingram, I mean, you look at it for a first-round running back, he didn't break out until like his fifth year, and it was only about the time that Elvin Kamara was in there and he didn't have to necessarily carry the entire workload by himself did he actually become productive. Do you feel the same way about Jamar Gibbs? Who? The running back at Alabama now. I don't know. I haven't really seen him play. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. Is he really good? Obviously. I think yeah, he's Ben good. is really high on him, but I, I don't yeah. know. He's pretty good. All right. So the guy that I almost drafted in the last spot and kind of went with the uh, guy who I thought would have better long-term impact he is now here with the more immediate impact and still available. I'm going to go Rashad white for Tampa Bay. This is a guy that I think could catch a lot of passes from Tom Brady this next season, given the fact that he is going to be without Chris Godwin for an extended period of time. We still don't know at least that I know Rob Gronkowski is going to be back yet this season. They are missing a lot of the elite pass catchers that they've had in that offense outside of Mike Evans and he needs somebody to throw the football to, and he's not going to be on the field the same time as Leonard Fournette. And while Leonard Fournette ended up leading the league in targets and receptions out of the running back position last year, I think that could be split up more in a new Tom Brady offense this going year. So give me Rashad. That was the exact pick that I was going to go with. I'm surprised he hasn't gone earlier. Um, I was going to take him as many as like five picks earlier than this. So I'm surprised he fell as far as he did for me. Uh, And my next pick, if everyone's done with, I am going to go with Kenny Pickett. I, I don't love him as a prospect, but he's dropping into an offense with a lot of talent in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Vermouth, and Najee Harris. Not a nice weapons. We know Mitchell Trubisky is not the permanent starter there. I don't care if he has the job on day one. You're more so going for the future. And if you can get him this late, and especially in the third round, I think you like the pick. So I'm going to go Kenny Pickett. All right. So that's 27 picks down. We only have three remaining. So, Ed, you are on the clock. Um, I think we got to get, before we end this, we got to get into the tight end pool. Um, so I'm going to take Trey McBride. I think the top tight end in this year's draft. Um, Colorado State, I believe he was the highest um, tight end drafted. He falls into a good spot there with the Arizona Cardinals. Very versatile tight end. He also has the abilities to play kind of like the Kyle, just guy from 49ers, Kyle Jusek. What's his name? Jusek. Jusek. Jusek won the award for best tight end in college football, and I think he's the most explosive tight end coming out of this year's draft. All right. Now, I agree with you that I thought we needed to at least get one tight end into this selection pool, but he is not the most explosive tight end, so my pick is up next. I'll actually take who I think is the number one tight end who has the best opportunity who I'd love to get at the end of the third round if it ends up happening to me. Jelani. Just, no, actually. I'm going to go with Greg Dolchich. Wow. Wow. Let's hear it. Why? I think he is the best route runner, the best pass catcher in this draft, and he is the best field stretcher. So for a seam type of guy, he's not going to be your Travis Kelsey underneath uh, comfort blanket type tight end. To me, he's going to be more, oh, I'm trying to think of who a really good comp for this is, um, like a deep stretch the field type of tight end. And I, I don't know if there is a, a great direct comp that I can think of off the top of my head. To me, he's the most receiver-like of any of these tight ends in a uh, position where it's basically become the big-bodied wide receivers on your team. I think he's the closest that we have to a Kyle Pitts without anybody really being in that league this year. And I like the fit and the opportunity with Denver and Russell Wilson has always liked his tight ends in run heavy schemes. So I think that it's very possible in this Nathaniel Hackett scheme, they're going to have a tight end on the field a lot. 
And for all the talk that Albert Aquig Boonham, and I think I got that right, is going to end up taking over the number one tight end role, I think Dulcich is going to bide his time and by probably about midseason end up having more fantasy value than Albert O. Again, tight ends don't hit in year one. So this is, if you're drafting any tight end, you're drafting him for year two, maybe three. I didn't know too much about him, so. All right. So, Ethan, that puts you with the last pick in the draft. I would like to trade it to somebody. As somebody that's not super invested in this draft, I feel like it's really, really bad taste that I draft Mr. Irrelevant. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Do you want to take it, Ed? Otherwise, I can certainly make a pick. Yeah, actually, I will take it because I I want to take a quarterback here who I have – ranked as my top quarterback okay and i will actually and i'm i'd be confident that he turns out to be the best quarterback based off of my first two drafts and my eye for quarterbacks and taking <laughs> herbert and then i think just that zach wilson will also be a good quarterback i would take matt corral i think this dude is legit based on how, like what i've seen from him he's got the quickest release Fast as hell release. I think he's athletic. He can he's run the ball at all Miss. He played in the SEC. Um, great competition. I think he falls into a great situation. You got freaking Sam Darnold ahead of you. Sam Darnold plays a couple of bad games. Matt Corral is in. Sam Darnold might play a shitty week one, and they might put Matt Corral in. I don't know. I think I I, I just have a feeling that he's going to be the best quarterback in this series this year's draft. So I'd be pretty happy to take here at the Mr. Irrelevant spot. I would have considered a tight end at this spot. A Jelani Woods would probably go in this range for me. Uh, I don't mind Trey McBride going in this range for me. Personally, I would have gone Desmond Ritter before I go Matt Corral for much the same arguments you made for Corral, other than the fact that he played in the SEC. I just look at the draft evaluators I trust and they seem to think Redder was a more polished product and had a little bit higher upside as far as the mentality of the game. And often at this level, you have to be a very cerebral quarterback. Apparently there were a lot of question marks with Corral coming out of the draft process that he didn't interview well and wasn't necessarily a very intelligent player. So that gives me a little bit of pause. I think the athleticism is there, but I also think so for Ritter and he's in a similar situation that, He's got Marcus Mariota ahead of him. That's it. So he could very easily take over the reins of that job by some point this year, especially if Mariota gets hurt. So I, I don't know. If, if it were me, that might be the direction I would go, but it's the end of the third round. Matt Corral going in this range is about right. And I feel like after the third round in this year's draft, it's going to like you go back to the waiver wire. But that's in every single draft we've had. Ever. Uh, you go back even two years ago. Yes, there might have been a couple of picks. I got Brandon Ayuk in the fourth round two years ago, but that was an extra special draft. You go to last year's draft results for our dynasty draft, and by the time you got to the fourth round, people were picking scraps off the heap. Guys that basically you were hoping were going to come back around and have stellar seasons. It's where Ethan, I think, got Mike Williams, a retrade guy who ended up having like a stellar start to the year, but then, as always, trailed off. So. To me, the fourth round will probably not necessarily be all rookies. You're going to start to see a few of the guys leak in that were cut from other teams that are retread guys, maybe a couple of tight ends that may be on the cusp of something, a quarterback that bounced around a little bit, a wide receiver that may just be on the peak of something. But the rookies primarily will dominate about the first three and a half rounds to me. So any reactions to our picks outside of that? Any just overall thoughts? No, I'm just kind of looking forward to talking to Ethan after this and seeing how we can get back into the second here. I think I've been very, very clear about what my intentions are. Well, it so, could work out. It could work out for me to get this pick. It could work out for what? We'll talk. <laughs> Look at my roster and think about it. Hit me up. I have talked to you plenty plenty everyone is so untouchable on your roster wait a second before i guess i don't know if tom wants to cut or whatever but we didn't talk about Brees hall 
becoming a Jet now and your Michael Carter share? I mean, yeah, it's going to obviously take away from Michael Carter's value, but I'm not giving up on him. I really like Michael Carter's talent. I, I almost I almost think that him and like James Cook could line up in the be in a similar position this year with a pass catching pass catching back that can give you a couple give you a touchdown here and there. I'm 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 still sticking with him. I'm, I mean, just because Brees Hall got drafted, I don't. I think it. Uh, it I want to see how it shakes out. It's too early to tell. Um, but I'm, I'm big on Michael Carter's talent. I mean, he, I get a first round pick for him. If you haven't figured out by now, Ethan. Ed has eternal sunshine of the spotless <laughs> roster syndrome. Hey. He thinks his, his team is going to be so much upside and it's flawless until somebody gets arrested. I know. I, 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 was, telling, uh, I was telling Tom. I was telling Tom before you have on here that I have to do a better job of evaluating character. Yeah, no kidding, bro. You have been, you have done terrible. With your character evaluation, the, the receivers—they just all <laughs> are very violent, mad human beings. <laughs> oh, God damn it, those were a couple of terrible picks. Them some knuckleheads. Yeah, and then Kadarius Tony seems like he's had it the same way. Uh, yeah. I thought uh, I thought I offered you a pretty decent package that involved Kadarius Tony, and you told me to go stick it up my own ass. No, it wasn't a good offer. That's why I didn't take it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but let's talk about your second round pick, guys. My let's take it offline, and we'll, we'll end this for everybody's interest at home. Here, <laughs> there are people outside of our league that do listen to this show. Yeah, I'm just saying. So thank you, Ed, for being here. Pleasure, as always. And a thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back in a few weeks with our summer series. But until then. Until then, have a good um, have a good break and have a good vacation, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.